Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Parasite in the paranormal sense. What kind of power do they have? If they can influence people, families, and communities, can they influence nations and whole civilizations? Hello and welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. This is our 375th show. I don't have a script in front of me, so yeah. I have no oh, I'm idea. I'm sorry, 369th show. We'll, 369th. We'll, we'll, that was, actually, that I think was we're going to kind of dump the script yeah. tonight, um, unless... Well, just saying that it's our broadcast and those strange questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. Okay, folks, we are um, going to do something very unusual tonight. We we received the, uh, the, our local audience already probably knows this, but we received the very, very shocking news that our very good friend and our colleague here at WON 1240, uh, Joseph L. Ferrier, Joe Ferrier, a host of Woonsocket Open Line, the afternoon drive time talk show around here for 50 years uh, passed away suddenly on Saturday morning. We, I was, I was driving in here to the studio, Ben. Ben was already here because Ben works as a producer here. And I was uh, astonished, not astonished, I wasn't surprised at all about the overwhelming response to this event. People calling in, memories of Joe, all the wonderful things that he did. Now, the reason that we, we uh, have had, we've actually had Joe on this show before. As a matter of fact, I think in a few weeks once we get organized, we can replay that. Joe was a renowned as well as being a talented musician and, and a well-known talk show host, he was a renowned UFO expert in the 1960s. He was the publisher of Probe magazine. And, you know, Ben, everywhere we go, I know you can testify to this, is uh, we have, meet people who had heard of Joe Ferrier, and, and we range pretty far and wide. Uh, we have a, a national and global audience here who's also going to be interested in this. And uh, I'm talking about the big guys, you know, Stan Friedman. Uh, Richard Dolan, people like this, they all knew Joe Ferrier, or at least knew of him. Uh, Stan Friedman, who was a very, very prominent guy on, on the History Channel and all the UFO documentaries you see, or almost all of them, was um, very moved when I sent him a copy of Probe magazine that Joe had published in the 60s because it was the original copy. He'd never had, he'd never had one. You'd think I'd given him a you know, golden Cadillac or something. So in any case... Please, uh, if you're a part of the general audience or anyone at all who'd like to call in and talk about Joe, especially if you knew anything about his UFO involvement, uh, which was really, as I say, quite substantial. He didn't really talk about it much in the latter years. As a matter of fact, you remember when he told us, Ben, he, he kind of, I always got the impression that he knew more about it than he let on. And he sort of, well, he essentially said that, that by the late 1970s, things, things in his life were getting so weird because of his involvement that he gave it up so that his life would go back to normal, and it did. So um, please, uh, feel free to continue the calls at 766-1240 locally, uh, nationally 800-449-1240. Uh, any sort of tribute to Joe, as was going on uh, during the last show in the two hours. Uh, this, let's, let's keep that going if we can. In the meantime, we, uh, we do not have a guest tonight, as luck would have it. Why don't we, uh, we ought to replay the show we had with Joe, very maybe in two weeks. Next week we have uh, Tony Eccles, a British UFO expert, um, talking about his work. Uh, That's not up to me, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, I know. I don't, I don't have access to the replays. Okay, well, I do, so I'll, I'll, I can arrange that. And so, uh, but in any case, uh, Tony Eccles, uh, we're going to be promoting the uh, London uh, UFO conference that's going to be going on in September, on the same day that we're going to be speaking in England. So uh, I think that that's... Uh, 
anybody who's not going to be in Eastern England on the day of our conference can certainly, if they're going to be in London, uh, go to the one at the uh, Bufora Conference, the British UFO Research Association is having theirs, and uh, we're good friends with them, and it just happened to be a uh, bad luck uh, kind of a conflict of the events. But anyway, uh, we'll be uh, having Tony next week. And then the week after that, I think we could, we could replay the show with Joe Ferrier, where he, he uh, told us that he said things that he had not said publicly before about his UFO experience. Joe was well known for having taken some very famous photographs uh, of um, UFO activity over Cumberland, Rhode Island in the 19th, I believe it was 1967. And uh, I think maybe we ought to post those perhaps on our website. They are available in the UFO literature, very well known. So uh, certainly uh, anyone who uh, is in the local area here in the Blackstone Valley who knew Joe and... and, uh, do anything about his UFO work, or just just want to to, to comment on on his marvelous life. He was certainly a, a a dear friend and a true gentleman. And there aren't an awful lot of people, sometimes unfortunately today, you can say that about wonderful, wonderful man. So uh, <clears throat> while we're waiting for callers today, certainly uh, we are going to begin talking about something that people have been waiting uh, to hear, and that is something about we have a caller. Okay, yeah, we call. Hello, uh, welcome, welcome to the show. Hi, um, I'm George Ball. How are you? Very good, George. Nice to have you call. Okay, um, listen, I've been listening to Joe for years, and um, we've had shared mutual experiences. What would you like to know? What I experienced that he experienced? Uh, anything at all that you're willing to talk about? Okay. Um, he was, um, I hate to say it, he was probably, um, more knowledgeable or more intelligent than me as far as UFOs go. Of course they go. (laughs) They've been here for years. Um, I am not of this world, and I don't think Joe was either, um, so we shared that experience. Yeah. Well, none of us really is. You know, Joe, it was just, you're, there was something unique about him. You know, and I, I always got the impression, maybe he knew more than he said, but I do remember him saying, uh, that's good, but, uh, to, that he wanted his life to get back to normal in those days. And I know, it was, yep, pe- yep. people we, uh, we always talk to, uh, people we encounter around the country, you know, it, when, when we speak, their lives can be turned upside down by this. I don't know if you've listened to any of our other shows, but sometimes, and even even on CBS on Sunday nights, we have a show, and weird interference no, I, will um, occur. Um, excuse me, um, you have a show on what? On CBS on Sunday nights. Um, is that TV? Uh, no, I, no, not quite yet. No, it's uh, it's it's a branch of the network out of uh, Detroit, and we're in uh, Detroit, Boston, Seattle, All right. Pittsburgh. Um, um. Very hard to explain. I'm probably um, three years older than uh, Joe. God bless his soul that he uh, transpired. But, um, no, I never heard of your show. Oh, well, you have now. <laughs> We've been on Owen since 09, and uh, we don't do a lot of marketing, but we're we're kind of well-known in, in the field. And our primary... Um, Work is in uh, paranormal research, you know, more more yeah, the, the ghost yeah. stuff and all. But yes, UFOs come into that. that. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, it, it all comes in. You know, it all comes together sooner or later. But of course the, it does. Yeah. And um, what do they say? Um, what's going to happen on uh, December twenty first and uh, 
2012. Well, we're going to see the world um, change the way it is. Well, we've been we've been covering that. We, as a matter of fact, we have a show scheduled for December 22nd of oh, this year. Good <laughs> luck. Well, yeah. Well, that's it. <laughs> with with two guys, Dierlon, who is an author of the book called. Uh, the dooms, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, went blank here. Heaven's Wave, the story, a novel of the doomsday, doomsday prophecy of 2012, which is, it's more than a novel. He's a real expert in the Mayan stuff. And then we have a guy who doesn't believe it, who's a physicist, who's going to be on, and, and they're going to do. So uh, hopefully, if um, hey, um, people are wrong, we'll have the show. I, 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 I don't believe in the doomsday prophecy. I don't really what either. What I'm going to tell you is, um, I'm 73 years old. Okay. So I got a little brain in my head, right? And I have been studying um, Egyptology, um, archaeology, everything in my whole life. Now it's astro, and I can see, come on, can we build the buildings that they have built years ago? Where did they come from? Mm. How did... They build them. Okay, where are you? Where are you broadcasting from? Uh, we're in Woonsocket. Yeah, we're at the the studio, W O O N studio. You're kidding me. Yeah. So yeah, we. I um, can meet you. you no, anything's I can possible. Go down there and meet you and talk intelligently with you. Well, I, yeah, I, I don't see why not. Not during the show, though. Unfortunately. Um, no, 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 no. Um, where do you get your knowledge from? Well, oh, that's a long story. Uh, um, um, I'll tell you what. Do you have access to a computer? You can look it up. I don't like to talk about myself. But, um, I don't have a computer. Okay. Well, briefly, I uh, started when I was in the seminary. I studied for the priesthood for many years. And um, I was about a year before ordination, and they had enough of my paranormal research, and out I went. Uh, then I spent some time. I've done everything at least once. I spent some time in the service, and then I ended up a journalist, and I was a newspaper reporter and editor here in Rhode Island for many years, including at the Providence Journal. And uh, then I got into radio about five years ago with Ben when he got old enough to demonstrate how uh, brilliant he is in this subject. And, oh, no. Uh, so uh, like, 40, 42 like years I've way, been researching. I like the way your brain is working. Well, as long as it works. <laughs> no, really. I mean, you're going in the right direction. But, um, okay, so um, okay, what do you well, want to know? Okay, well, actually, uh, we're going to kind of move on, but I thank you for your call. You're welcome to... No, no, to, no. Uh, what do you want? Oh, what do I want to... Okay. What, so you knew Joe, and what um, were you involved with his photography at all? Or, or there, And there was, a, there, was a, there was a person who reported meeting someone very strange in the area of Cumberland and Woonsocket round about those years, you know, mid-60s, when a lot of strange things were happening around the United States. And uh, I can't remember the name of the person, but it was reported in Joe's Magazine in Probe. Never, never yeah. heard of anything hammering okay. around. I'm asking you, what do you want to know? Oh, what I do I want to answer your question. Well, I'm all too aware of what I don't know. <laughs> so, well, that's aren't it. we all? Yeah. Oh, uh, what sign of the zodiac are you? Oh, I don't even remember paying pay much. I don't know much about a, Aries, I believe. Oh, I should God. listen to uh, Russ Gorman's show more often, I guess. Well, no, you should listen to me. Okay, but listen. If you want me to, in your mind, don't even say it 
on the airwave. What do you want to know? Okay. Yes, it will happen. Okay. Okay, well, thank I'll you. Talk to you. Uh, I love talking to you. Well, you thank are the you. most intelligent person I have talked to in like 40 years. Uh, well, as Mark Twain said, I can live six months on one good compliment. Uh, compliment? You're, you're probably very good looking, too. <laughs> well, anyway, on that happy note, well, thank you for your call. Uh, call in again sometime. Okay. All right, folks, so that was one of our more interesting callers lately. But in any case, uh, why don't we move on here? And again, anyone who'd like to call in and talk about Joe Ferrier or, or his, his work or his talent or what a wonderful It doesn't necessarily need to be paranormal. It doesn't necessarily need to be paranormal. 766-1240 locally or 800-449-1240 nationally. Okay, well, let's move on with our topic, which I have a feeling we're going to have to spread over several shows here because this was uh, quite a complicated one. Anyway, why don't we do our weekly contest? Yeah, I was just going to say, we didn't do that yet. Yeah. All right. Um, so, uh, for, so our weekly paranormal contest. So last week's question was, in the modern world, what scientist first proposed the idea of the multiverse as an interpretation of quantum physics? Well, Shauna Daly of Waco, Texas, was the first to answer correctly. A, a Princeton, gra- Princeton graduate student by the name of Hugh Everett in 1957. Uh, he later went on, did, he did receive his doctorate. Uh, Everett's Many Worlds Interpretation, or MWI, implies that all possible alternative pasts and futures are real, each representing an actual world or universe. It also referred to uh, it is also referred to as the relative state formulation, the Everett interpretation, the theory of the universal wave function, many uses and many universes interpretation, or just many worlds. And of course, it is the theory on which we base all our paranormal work. And I think it's turned the whole understanding of this stuff upside down. All right. So this week's question is: In what country would you find the Mohamba? Is that Pronounced correctly. Just as good a pronunciation as any. All right, so uh, be the first to get that right and win a copy of Faces at the Window, one of my uh, book about my dad's earlier cases. But we do have a call. Okay. So if you'd like to accept that. Certainly. Hello, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. How you doing, gentlemen? Country Bob here. Oh, very good. Nice to talk to you, Bob. Hey, how you doing? Okay, what's going on? All right, listen, I got a couple of comments and a question. As you know, I know Joe okay because uh, I'm the guy who gave the Duke Knight of baseball. Oh. And uh, I talked to him a couple of times about something. One thing I mentioned to him, I said, in 1961, my dad's stepdad was stationed in Kitty Remain. And that was not too far from Pease Air Force Base. That's right. Do you remember the occurrence that happened up there then? Kitty Remain. I'm very familiar with Kitty Remain. It rings a bell. You know what I'm thinking of is Shag Harbor in the 60s, but that was up in Nova Scotia. That's not what we're talking about. So remind me. Well, there was supposedly some UFOs sighted over near Pease Air Force Base. Okay. That was near about maybe seven miles from where I live. Okay. Now, I'm trying to figure out to this day exactly why the military had a jet that have boats and everything else going out so fast that time. Uh, that's a long story a lot of people have been speculating about. Of course, a lot of air bases have reported things like this, especially if they have nuclear weapons. Right. Um, you know, we've had uh, people on the show from especially the Rendlesham case in England, uh, Colonel Hall, for one, who um, 
you know, will not to this day admit that there were nuclear weapons at that base because it would have been against the treaty and right. certainly bases in America that had, uh, and the reports were, and this is from high-ranking officers, some of whom we know, uh, UFOs would come and shine weird lights down on the uh, the, the WSAs, the, the weapon storage areas, and they would find the nukes either uh, deactivated, sometimes retargeted, which I find kind of chilling. I mean, retargeted to where? Right. You know, and occasionally there was a report that one or two would be missing. Right. So what's going on here? And, and, and matter of fact, we had someone call into the show uh, a couple of years ago, and he wouldn't identify himself, but he lives here locally, and he'd been a radar man in the 1950s mm-hmm. in the Air Force and reported radar targets, uh, unidentified craft over this particular base he was serving at, and he was told to just clam up about it. Yeah. So yeah, I live in Kittery from 51 to 56 or 65. So there was a lot of activity going on, and I never found out why. Yeah. And, you know, I know Pease Airport was involved in a lot of it because it wasn't too far from where I lived. So that was kind of interesting to me because I, I used to debunk this theory of UFOs. Yeah. I've been speaking to Joe quite extensively. I don't anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, I, uh, I, I firmly believe what Nostradamus said. And there's one question I asked a lot of people, and nobody gave me the answer to. How does 32 civilizations from Egypt, China, Japan, uh, all over the Mayan countries come up with the same formula that, that dictates December 21st, 2012? Well, you and know, all I'll, the numbers end or begin with one and two. I'll go you one better. The uh, there were about, there were roughly about 33 civilizations, including people you'd never think of, like the ancient Swedes, people like that, right. who all came up with the same date. Uh, more or less. Now, now there are people. Now, again, we we try to be skeptical and objective here, and w- th- there are always other explanations for this. But you know, you're right. When you get something like that, you know, how can that be a coincidence? Right, because there's no communication back then. Well, exactly. I mean, there. Well, there might have been not, not like there is today. Certainly, I mean, and they. Uh, I'm sure some of these civilizations certainly never had any well, contact. Maybe one with or two, them. maybe ten, but not thirty-three. Yeah, absolutely. Thirty-three of them come up with the same solution, same problem. That's telling me something. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you, we'll find out in December, I guess, uh, when we uh, we're, we schedule the show for the day after the 21st, and then the day after that, we, we if all goes well, we'll be here, as usual. Well, and, not, uh, well we know what happened, don't we? Well, I will, we'll call back on the, tw- on the 23rd of December. <laughs> we'll have a post-mortem. I don't plan on it. <laughs> okay. So take care, gentlemen. I enjoy your show very well, uh, very much. In fact, I'm the guy you met at uh, Rock Ridge a while back when you went over there. Oh, Okay. Uh, so that's when you met me. That was a pleasure. Okay, well, very good. We'll hey, call uh, in. Keep uh, listening. All right, take care then, and uh, let's um, you know keep Joe in mind and uh, a lot of happy memories. Uh, uh, fantastic man, you can't beat him. Absolutely, you can't beat him. He's one of a kind, one in a million. Real gentleman. He, he's a guy I can look up to. There's not many people I can say that about. Us too. I was I was very happy Ben got to know him a little bit. You know. Yeah. Very good. Well, thanks Great for calling. Guy. Great guy. Take, take care. Okay. Have a good one, sir. Right. Okay. Uh, any more callers right now? Nope. Okay. Well, we'll continue. Okay, so we've got... Uh, what is our question for... Uh, I, I said you it. You already did. Okay. Yeah, I did. You just, right. you're just... Li- I'm not used to this kind of uh, energy in the show here. Well, you okay. should have been here two hours ago. I can <laughs> imagine. Well, let me give our numbers again. 
And that is uh, from locally or from Canada, 401-766-1240, from anywhere in the USA, 800-449-1240. You know, uh, Joe was always um, uh, very nice to us, and he would always give us a nice plug on his show because we always followed him on this Monday slot. And uh, I really appreciated that. And he, uh, he, he was seemed, always interested in like the next topic we would have on the show. He was. He always was. And he always. Uh, and I would always. Uh, we get extra books. One one of the best parts of this of this job is that you get all kinds of free books from publishers who want you to have their authors on as guests. So we'd get extra. And he was always so so happy when we'd give him uh, the latest UFO book. And you know, I, you know who I heard from this morning too was Mac Maloney. Mac oh Maloney. yeah, I was just gonna say yeah, yeah yeah yeah. And Joe's like he, he liked his book, but he was like, ah, not enough pictures. Like, yeah. <laughs> Well, that was his tongue in cheek, I'm sure. But Mac Maloney lives in Newburyport, Massachusetts, not too, not all that far from here. And he was a guest in studio a few, well, what, two months ago, maybe? Yeah, about and that. We don't. And that's a real treat for us. We don't have a lot of in studio guests. Oh, it's so most of nice. People so are nice all over the country, or even you know, in the UK or wherever. And Mac was able to come in. He came in early enough to meet Joe as Joe was leaving. For that, was he, he was so delighted to meet Joe Ferrier. And uh, Joe was delighted to meet him as well. And uh, it was just really, um, it was great. Uh, Mac uh, was was moved by just meeting Joe and uh, wrote to me this morning because I, I put it on our show Facebook page that uh, uh, Joe had passed. And, and Mac was uh, kind of shocked and, and just sends his, his very best, as do we, to Joe's family and, and all his friends. So It's actually kind of ironic. The last time I, I talked to him, well, not ironic, it was, um, it was really weird because I remember... He asked what the next show topic was. I was like, oh, physical immortality. And I was like talking about the guy we were going to have on. Yeah. And um, he was like, oh, well, that's weird. And he's like, I, I was like, I was talking to him about it. He's like, we were talking about medical science and stuff like that. And he was like, you know, I really wouldn't want to live forever. And he was, and we were talking about it. And it was, it was really interesting. And it was just kind of, it, it was sort of like a telltale kind of thing. And I didn't really see it coming. And it was just, it's pretty heavy. It's pretty heavy now that I think about it. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up because I was listening. And I know you you were here too, but you were going crazy with the board and the calls. But yeah. I don't know if you heard the comment someone made that that Joe, in in his, who was always a very deep thinker, and a man who asked questions that that, that made people uh, kind of have to think, uh, said was talking kind of uh, you know about um, eternal things, you know l- lately. Yeah, uh, or asking questions that that uh, kind of made you wonder about you know the distant you know, whatever destiny may hold, and um, I don't know pe- people I think kind of know what's going on. Yeah, and this this whole guy yeah, there was was that last week we had the guy on the immortality physical immortality. yeah last yeah. Monday an author who's a wonderful nice fellow, but and I hate to be critical but he was a sort of guy who you can tell had, had learned everything he knew in a classroom. Like a lot of our leaders today, yeah, and never actually been out and you know really done anything practical, which isn't I suppose nobody's fault. But he's writing books on this, and he couldn't really address questions adequately, such as, okay, suppose you do pull this off, how do you support yourself for you know five or six centuries or or quote unquote forever, you know? And the whole idea of physical immortality implies that our bodies is really all there is to us. And I don't believe that at yeah. all. Neither did Joe. I don't. I don't believe it either. I, I feel like it just physical physical immortality. I don't. Know, you you have to have. It's like six and one half dozen in the other. I mean, you can't. 
you can't go one without the other because it's not all spirit and it's not all physical. I right. mean, that's like the, it's like the great paradox. Like, um, it's very Descartian, if you will. Yeah, or Cartesian. Cartesian. You know, you know, our yeah. favorite uh, philosopher from uh, oh, yes. <laughs> French philosophy. Yes. Yeah, but again, it's it's just uh, we're not machines. I mean, you can you just keep repairing us? Or and he, I don't know. He never really got into the uh, the topic of um, exactly what's at the bottom of this. Certainly, there. Are, well, he pointed out, and I've heard this from other people, that our our bodies are meant to live, are constructed to live about 120 years. Others might say about 150, but you know, but the diseases and uh, freight trains and things sometimes have uh, things to say about that longevity. And uh, I think that um, Joe is very aware of the, the the nature of life in that sense and in the fullest sense. And so, yeah, someone was mentioning earlier that. Um he was very spiritual, and I, yes. I, I, I believe that. He was That's very, an important yeah. thing to be. Usually people who are very musical are very spiritual people, and he really was. Yeah. Well, you know, I envy you in a way, because you got to work with him more than I did here at the station. I was usually really, really busy. I never had a chance to like sit yeah. down and talk, but when I did, I, I took advantage of it. Well, I remember uh, walking into his store. Uh, I mean, I, I think you might have accompanied me there once, but I, I would go in any chance I got. And his store was, as one of the callers said on the last show, was really disorganized. But he knew where everything was. And I wasn't so so much interested in the music. He had old music comic books, old vinyl records, and uh, it was the store was around long enough for the vinyl record to come back. Now it's now it's making a comeback with something I thought I'd never see. But down in the corner, he had amazing stuff on the paranormal, including his own magazine, Probe. And it was just wonderful to just browse down there. And I would feel guilty because I'd say, "Well, Joe, how much you want for this? You know, it's marked for you know forty dollars. I want to give him forty bucks. Oh no, to call it twenty bucks, you know." So, and I feel awkward, but that's the kind of guy he was. <laughs> no, thirty-five. Don't you want to haggle? <laughs> yeah, I want to haggle. But anyway, so again, anybody who wants to uh, share their memories of Joe, especially, uh, but not necessarily anything about his paranormal activity, any, anything at all. Seven six six one two four zero locally or nationally eight hundred four four nine one two four zero. So why don't we take our commercial break? We're already halfway through the show here, and then we'll um, we'll come back and see what happens. Every Paw Sox game is filled with sights you really just can't forget. There's the green of the field, the blue of the sky, the pitcher bearing in toward home plate, and the crowd whooping it up over a home run. But maybe most of all, there's the sight of your kid wearing a baseball glove. Eyes big as saucers, collecting an autograph. Every game means something. What will it mean to you? Come on out and see the Pawtucket Red Sox. For ticket information, call 401-724-7300 or visit pawsox.com. Well, we wanted to point out our wonderful reading devices here that you can have without actually buying books, and that is the Amazon Kindle devices, ranging in price from as low as $79, you can all the way up to uh, $199, and the $199 top-of-the-line model Kindle Fire will give you not only uh, over a million books, publications of all kinds, uh, magazines, newspapers, uh, it'll also give you uh, applications, movies, games, all sorts of things you want to, you'd like to download and uh Right there at your fingertips in full color. Uh, Amazon Kindle at the low end, $79. All the books you want. Some people don't need the games or the apps. I know I don't get into that really very much. I just like the books. So there we have it. Amazon Kindle. And check it out at Staples here uh, locally or nationally. They have the these devices for sale. Uh, or Amazon.com. Check it out. It's a wonderful investment and a wonderful gift at any time of the year. Okay, so we are back behind the paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, and we are on WOON 1240 AM 
in ONWorldwide.com in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. And we're having an impromptu uh, show tonight. We, have, we had a long script that I worked very hard on, but we also heard that uh, our very, very dear friend and colleague here at the station and 1960s UFO expert, renowned uh, expert, uh, Joe Ferrier, had passed uh, on a Saturday. And uh, we wanted to uh, tri- make this show kind of a tribute to him tonight. And we do have a caller. Hi, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Hello, this is uh, Bill from Franklin. Oh, how you doing, Bill? I talked to you once before, remember? Yeah, I, I remember. Yep, yep. And I, I hear you on the. Uh, I used to hear you on Joe's show a lot. It's only him and you that I, that, I, that I ever told that story about the about the flying saucer I saw. Yeah, I heard you say that. Yeah. 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 Well, I, Joe, wonder, I wonder if that was a, um, a drone, but it was kind of big for a drone, though. Well, that was. Uh, how? When was that? I didn't quite catch that when you said it on the That was. Uh, I saw it uh, two years ago. Oh, okay. July July third. I was watching fireworks. Well, why don't you repeat what 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 happened? So, yeah. So in case the, people didn't hear it. Yeah, just, just the little parking lot, like two two houses down from me, from it. It's a big uh, uh, playground, and I was uh, and I had my camera. I was going to take some pictures of the fireworks, and I had a flash to the. I, th- I didn't know how to shut the flash off, and and it was flashing, and I think that attracted attracted this whatever it was. Oh, what and I, is- I look. And I look over my head, and there's a there's a big round uh, gray object o- o- over my head, huh. just a uh, uh, treetop. And then it slowly slowly went right into the clouds. And this is in Woonsocket. No, it's in in uh, Franklin, where I am. Oh, Franklin. I'm sorry. Right. Okay. Yeah. Franklin, Massachusetts. What did Joe have to say about that? He was he, he wasn't sure what. It, I didn't know if it was a drone, but it was sort of a. As big as an automobile, though, it's, that's kind of big, big yeah. for a drone. I would say so, too. And plus, drones weren't all that common and, a few years ago, as far as and, we know. Of course, we only know about 10% of what's actually going and, on. And I, and I look, looked up. Uh, the, um, there, was, there, there, was, there was no moon that night, and the sky was, was, was bright like a full moon. Wow. And it was partly cloudy. That was like, uh, I think I saw it like 10, 15 to, to, to about uh, 20 past only saw for a few seconds, and then yeah. ten, ten minutes later, I started again, further, further away, and it, it was going into a cloud again. Uh huh. Well, was, you know, again, anything's possible. You know, I, I sometimes have get a little upset with with skeptics, and not with skeptics as such, but people who weren't there who said, "Oh, well, this is what you saw." So I mean, I, you know best what you saw. And it, and, it, and it might have had writing on. I wasn't sure about that. But it, really, it might have been writing, but I, I didn't. I didn't see it long enough. What bothers me is I had a camera in my hand and I didn't take a picture. <laughs> oh, yo, doesn't that drive you nuts? <laughs> well, exactly. Did anybody else report anything uh, around that area that night? Not that I know of. No. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah um, another guy who calls uh, Joe's show said that he, he saw something uh, uh, looking looking t- towards my area. Mm-hmm. He saw oh, something either. strange that night, too. Yeah. There's usually something. I remember that, that, that uh, we're not all that far from here as the crow flies, uh, Litchfield, Connecticut. You remember, I don't know if you remember, you saw in the paper, uh, must, went back, must be, what was that, March, April, Ben? This Something like gr- that. green object flying through the sky and supposedly crashed in the Bantam Lake, a place I used to fish. And uh, a lot of people, I don't know, actually there was um, only three or four people who saw it because it was very early in the morning. But it's amazing, sometimes only one or two people see these things. Last time I talked to Joe, uh, a couple, couple weeks ago, he said he saw, saw a little thing in the sky go, going to work. He said, yeah. It was, yeah. he said it was like a little white, a white thing, and was shaped like a bullet. 
Interesting. But it was very small. He, he said he, he saw that in Moonfocket when he was going to work, he said. Interesting. Well, he, he would have been coming to work unless it was in the winter. He would have been coming to work probably uh, he he, he before he it was dark. He said he didn't get a good look at it because he was in the car stopped at a, at a stoplight. You know? Yeah. Do you remember the story, and this goes back to the 80s, of, um, I guess it was sort of rush hour in Woonsocket, such as it is, and a, a large orb-like UFO supposedly came zipping down Clinton Street right over the tops of the cars and everybody's heads. People got out to look at it. I heard someone tell that story, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, it's hard to get information on that. Um, I know the police had one no, or two. No, it wasn't of the like rush hour. It was at night. I remember seeing something like that from our, from like my bedroom window. And like I remember seeing this like little orb thing, and I thought I was just seeing things. But there's a church that's right on uh, South Main, and... Um, it always has its lights on. It, like, there's always lights like on there. Like, yeah, it's like, uh, uh, Holy Family Church, right? Yeah, Holy yeah. Family. And yeah. I saw this like little orb thing fly by, and every time it fly by, by it, like the lights would flicker there. And I was like, that's really weird because those lights are always on. They keep them on all night, and it was the weirdest thing. And then I heard about that the next day, and apparently that was going on like around the same time. Oh, there you go. All right. And and the same year I saw saw mine. Uh, my sister saw one out out the window of our house across the street. And she really? saw this little, little tiny uh, th- uh, thing, no bigger than a, than a, uh, like, a, like a frisbee, and it, and it was spinning all the time. Interesting. It, yeah. It, it came out of the sky and it went over, over the uh, neighbor's uh, uh, driveway and then went straight up in the air. You know, it's funny you, you point that out, and though, because that, uh, that was that was after eight thirty because I went to work at eight thirty. Uh huh. So it was during the daytime. Well, it's funny you point that out because some of the experts we've had on the show have pointed out that that the nature of UFOs is kind of changing. People used to see, well, like Joe. Uh, Joe, uh, what, th- his famous picture from 1967 was sort of a long craft. I saw one, yeah, I told him I saw a photo in a, in, in a magazine, and he goes, oh, that's probably one of my photos. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was very unusual. I'd never seen anything quite like it. And there's one with a, sort of a long, it almost looks like, like a... a a blimp, but it's not. It's obviously something quite different. And in some of the pictures, there's a smaller craft kind of coming out of it. And Joe happened to get pictures of that. And I, I just thought they were very unusual. But I now, people I are... Seen those. Yeah, exactly. People are reporting much uh, the same thing that you just said. And... Um, I don't know. It seems like the nature of it is well, kind of changing. I have uh, to call you. To, uh, have to call you to talk about UFOs now. You don't 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 have Joe. Okay. Well, please please do. It's it's uh you know we we can't take his place, but we can certainly talk about the subject. <laughs> well, thanks for calling, Bill. We have another caller. I wanted to okay. kind of work in there, but call again, Bill. Good okay. to talk to you. All right. Bye. Okay. Hello. Hello. You're on behind the paranormal. Oh, hey guys. How you doing? How are you? I'm doing fine. Well, I'm a long time listener. I. Don't get the chance to call too often, but I figured I'd um, weigh in a couple things about Joe. Glad you did. Uh, what, one thing about Joe is, he, not only did he have the fascination for the unidentified flying object, he had a fascination for the identified ones. I mean, he yeah. had a big discussion about, you know, uh, the Apollo missions, how they could have been fake, but what I alluded to in uh, the earlier show about how Joe would have been all over this um, new Mars lander like Kirk on the ship of the Enterprise. He would have loved seeing that. Uh, oh, I, I was chewing my nails about one thirty this morning, I'll tell you. Oh, yeah. yeah. You guys were up that late? Oh, man, I was up until 4 o'clock in the morning watching the news. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're the same kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like, you know, Joe it's like, would have been, too. I mean, that second was huge. I mean, it, it was like a, a, the size of a car. Yeah. It weighed a ton. 
I think oh, it's two tons, from what I read. Was it two tons? It could, it could be wrong. I think it's two tons, yeah. It's two tons. Jeez, imagine that going through an atmosphere of one-tenth that of the Earth going supersonic. Yep. You know, and then and then at the end, dropping at two miles an hour on the surface. I mean, that's crazy. That's why they call it seven minutes of terror. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Get that thing down there. Absolutely. It was amazing. And, Quite an achievement. Oh, it was. It was. Yeah. It, they, they say, you know, they're going to have like two or three years of exploration uh, lifetime in that. Well... They, didn't they say, they, didn't they give uh, certain opportunities, like 90 days, look how long they lasted? <laughs> well, if they, they give this thing a two, three-year warranty, then we're going to be looking at views for the next 20 years from this thing. Oh, absolutely. Well, some of the Voyager spacecraft were given, what, 10, 15-year lifetimes, and they've been out there for 30 years, and they're, they're still clicking, and they're in deep space and sending back very interesting information. Well, aren't they out of the solar system? Oh, yeah. So I think two of them are at this point. Yeah, and we're still collecting information. And then the other, uh, the Voyagers, and what were the other ones that we sent? I believe we sent the... Uh, well, there was, I think there have been four, five, five Voyagers. Yeah, I think there's Four five, or five yeah. Voyagers. There's, because uh, all the, the early Mariner craft and then the... Uh, yeah, the Mariners, that's it. Yeah, the, the other, um, the, the stuff all over Mars. My wife was commenting, being the good housekeeper that she is, that Mars must be getting kind of cluttered with, with the metal garbage <laughs> at this point. Because... <laughs> You know, was who, who was it who sent who sent the, um, the the probe to the moon recently? As if you know, as if they. Needed I think it was China. China was sent China? a probe to the moon. Yeah, they saw like all this like junk. Yeah, all, over all the American surface. flags lying around and all stuff that you know from the. Uh, yeah, we we can't pollute this planet. We have to go pollute the cars. There's got to be a better way. Well, well, you're gonna blame the Russians for Venus because they have a lot of junk down on Venus now. Or, well, that's probably been oh, fried by this time. Oh, they they find like ten minutes after they. Uh, <laughs> they landed. I think they got one picture. Oh, no, yeah, actually, they, they did. I remember that. Yep. Two pictures. But uh, getting back to Joe, I think, you know, you, you make a very good point. For someone who's an expert in UFOs, it's good also to be an expert in, as you said, our IFOs, our identified flying objects or spacecraft, because you know, that gives you something to compare your observations with, you know. Exactly. You know, I mean, that, that's a good thing. You know, I saw one picture uh, last night, actually. You know, I was I was really feeling bad because I heard about Joe passing. I was felt really bad, and I was going on the internet looking at stuff like that. You know. There was one picture that really um, that really stuck out to me. It was a picture that was made by the Opportunity uh, Mars um, you know, Mars probe. Mm-hmm. It was a picture of a single dot, a little teeny, teeny, teeny dot, you know, like a twilight background. And there was a big arrow that pointing it says, you are here. That was the Earth. It was, look, it was like looking at Venus from the Earth. But it was wow. Earth from, the, from Mars. And we see, I see that little dot and I'm reminded she's like, looking at the, in the desert of a, a distant planet. And I, I look up in the sky and I say to myself, you know, how many of those stars up there have planets have places just like Earth around it? Yeah. I, you know, about 150 I, I, we know about. That we know about, yeah. right. Um, but how many that we do not know about? Exactly. And, you know, yeah, you're right. It just, it, 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 how small our problems seem if we really get the perspective of how small we are. Oh, exactly. Exactly. I'm looking at that picture and I'm saying, that little speck of light is planet Earth. And everything that we know, everything that we've learned, every, all the, the happiness and sadness, triumphs and tragedies occurred on that little speck of light. Yeah, that's and right. I, like, that's right. Goodness, I, I feel like an ant yeah, in exactly. this universe. That's true. Do you remember back in, I don't know how old you are, but I remember I was a kid in the, in the early 60s, mm-hmm. and we got the first, I forget what, what craft it was, the Apollo missions hadn't flown yet, but it was some some uh, unmanned probe had gone out far enough. Surveyor? Uh, might have been Surveyor, and took a picture of the Earth, and it was the first time we had seen the Earth as as a globe, like in a real photograph. Right. People kind of caught their breath 
You know, and, and, and something kind of changed, I, I like to think, maybe for the better. Mm. You know, I don't know if you remember that, but that was something. I, I do, actually. Yeah. I'm old enough to remember that, believe it or not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just barely old enough to remember the, the last of Gemini missions. <laughs> That's how old I am right now. Wow. Um, well, time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I remember the day they, they landed on the moon. My dad woke me up, you know, I was taking a nap. He woke me up and we watched it together, and it was the best time of my life watching somebody step on me. I heard it. I remember staying up yeah, to see that on the black and white TV. Yeah, yeah exactly. You yeah. Have to, I, I think it's a little emotional when I think about it, but, you know, watching a man walk on another celestial object like that. And we are going back to the moon. We are going back to Mars. Like I said to uh, Kenny earlier on, it's going to be a one-way trip uh, to Mars. That's the only way we're going to be able to do it. Oh, that'll be interesting. But I know uh, nobody would appreciate this more than Joe. He had a cosmic sense of life, if you know what I mean. Oh, he did. You know, and, and he just, um, it was like he'd been there. You know, and, and he just he just knew. And there's something about people who've had that experience. We had uh, Edgar Mitchell on the show. Apollo what was Apollo 16, I believe. Uh, he was one of the, and he he had the most amazing, very down to earth, but still mystical experiences, especially on the way back from the moon. He said, standing on the moon and, and looking back at the Earth, even from that distance, was just it changes you forever. And um, I don't know. I just I want to have him back because we only had one show with him, and I'd like to do it again because he's oh. really got well, a lot to say about it. But it's it's just let me know. I want to hear it, man. I would absolutely. Well, BehindTheParanormal.com. Check it out. That gives you all our shows and and stuff. And uh, also at the end of our our show, we announce what the next one's going to be. But yeah, but uh, stay tuned. And uh, well, thank you for calling. It was a great to uh, talk to you. Uh, it was my pleasure. And you have a good day. Thank you. Right. You're Okay, we have a lot of probably. Uh, frustrated listeners, uh, national and global, who wanted to hear about this parasite subject. But again, I'm sure they also are enjoying hearing about Joe Ferrier. And as I say, everywhere Ben and I would go, and where we go now, when it has to do with the UFO audience particularly, people know Joe Ferrier or have heard of him. Uh, and I see uh, even the big names, uh, Stan Friedman, uh, Peter Robbins, all, all the people we uh, frequently have as guests and occasionally meet at conferences, they knew Joe Ferrier, and he was had he was greatly respected uh, as as a UFO expert in the um, early '60s and mid '60s and later, and certainly uh, known around the community here as a marvelously talented man and a and a true gentleman as well. And we were honored to uh, share this desk with him. Okay, well, why don't we at least get started on this this little topic? I will give you our numbers again if anybody else would like to call in about Joe seven six six one two four zero or um, eight hundred nationally eight hundred four four nine one two four zero. So, okay, well, we were going to. This is the second time we're going to have to reschedule this subject, but that's okay. Uh, Joe would have been, he'd wanted us he would have wanted us to continue with it. He was very interested too in private conversations with us about the the paranormal parasites that we talk about. Now, it's a funny way to talk about what most people think of as ghosts, but uh, again, we're not talking about mosquitoes or tapeworms. We're talking about uh, creatures. This is our experience, especially mine, after 42 years of uh, sort of being in the trenches on the paranormal. That there are, uh, things are not quite what the the old superstitions would have you believe. And uh, we have another caller. Hi, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Well, thank you, and I just wanted to tell you that I am um, very deeply saddened about Joe's passing, mm-hmm. but I wanted to share with you that um, many, I think maybe 20 years ago, I shared that I saw something that was unidentified um, in the city one socket, and I shared it with Joe Ferrier first. 
Um, I am open-minded, and I always thought of the possibilities of seeing, you know, of, of there being extraterrestrial life, but I never actually, you know, felt it or saw it. There wasn't anything that I could validate. Well, one evening, I had returned from work, and I was working in, in the City One Socket, and I was looking up towards Blackstone. My husband and our neighbor, who was a teenager, was with us at the time. And there was a light in the sky that was compelling to look at. Mm. And it was just a light, but it was different than a star. And all of a sudden, this light kind of took off. It showed itself. It was almost like an octagon. It started making these movements that I, I shared with Joe were movements that I'd never seen at the time uh, with aircraft. I... I realized that it, would, it could have been something that the government was testing. I have no idea. But I saw something that night that really um, changed me because I'm leaning towards the fact that I saw something that was not um, government because it compelled me. And Joe said that it's a common, common thing. And I felt very uncomfortable to talk about it, but I, he was a trusted friend very much and so. i did share it with him and um he said it's it's very uh, it's very common he said did you feel um anything negative i said no I, nothing negative at all and Good i question. i was i was so connected and i was like very very intrigued i i couldn't stop looking um the the my husband and the the young man at the time um after it happened, kind of like denied like what they saw. Mm-hmm. I didn't to this day. And I had a lot of conversations with Joe about it. I don't know what I saw. But whatever I saw it was something different, unique. And um, I, don't, I, I, I enjoyed my conversations with Joe. He made me feel like what I saw um, was something that maybe he shared an experience. And, you know, we talked about it deeper. But um, I, I don't know if anyone else has has felt that compelling it was compelling like to look at that light stand there and and wait for something to happen was compelling you know the people we've talked to who, who are very much like yourself have had these experiences and joe, joe would would say the same thing is you know obviously people talk to us too and, and i and i hope let me just say that i hope those of you who are friends with joe who felt comfortable talking to him about these things w- would consider us your friends too and 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 also talk to us with confidence and, and, and the confidentiality. But uh, that's but why I'm calling tonight. I do appreciate that. Yeah. And I think it's it's a matter of um, uh, realizing that you're not alone. And so many people have have told us that they had never had an experience before, never had one since, but they had one just like you described, and it changed their lives. Some people felt, and it's interesting to listen to them. Some people said they felt as if they were being tested which kind of struck us funny. You uh, obviously felt, um, if I may say, you sound as if you felt kind of privileged. I felt privileged, and I felt very connected, and I can't explain the reason why. And and for for those listeners that are doubtful, I know that it might sound a little unusual to hear me say this, but I felt like there was an intelligence that was out there that was very knowing. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel threatened by it. I felt um, honored to be a part of it. 
I didn't know what I was really looking at, but it was something so dynamic. They wanted something from me, I felt, but I didn't know what it was. Interesting. You know what you're describing? You're describing the experience of thousands, perhaps millions, of people who have had experiences of shamans throughout history in cave paintings all the way up to modern shamans in the Amazon basin and, oddly enough, modern people who say they've had UFO experiences. The story is very similar. Uh, they felt privileged. They felt as if they were trying, some, someone was trying to teach them something. And, uh, I don't know, Ben and I are kind of talking lately about some of the DNA evidence that, that's arisen recently. And it's almost as if in our DNA there are, are messages that are coded by God or whoever, you know, and that we're only just starting to unravel them. And it's experiences like yours that at least get us kind of cooking, you know, as far as uh, maybe deciphering some of those. So, so your experience may have been far deeper than, than even you suspect. I, I wouldn't even deny that for a minute. I, I can tell you that ever since I was a child, I was very intuitive. Yeah. My grandmother, my, my, my mother, very, very intuitive. I think that this even escalated that um, even further. And whatever it was that was the interaction um, was peaceful. It was not intrusive. I felt very comfortable with it. And I, I don't know. Um, it, I, whatever it was that was going, what, what was transmitted, I wasn't really privy to know everything. And that's all right. You mm -hmm. know, I, I, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, that's rule number one. Follow your gut, basically. If you felt comfortable with it, then that's a good thing. Yeah, and Joe would have said the same thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Have you ever heard of the Phoenix Lights? No. Okay. These uh, occurred in Phoenix, Arizona, and I, I actually s saw them myself. Ben, we were on our way to San Diego to do a, a presentation there, and Ben was asleep on the other side of the plane. I oh, happened yeah, to I miss all the good stuff. Yeah, I, well, not all of it, some of it. I happened to be uh, awake and looking down, and we were passing over Phoenix, and these lights are, are quite famous. They started appearing, uh, what, in the, uh, about 1995, Ben, if I'm not mistaken? Oh, saying. a little earlier than that, uh, in the late 80s. Late 80s. And they would appear as a triangle of lights, and people... All over the city saw them, including the governor, of because that's the capital of Arizona. And there was all, it was on the papers, and everybody had videos. And, of course, the military comes out, you know, as usual, after the fact, and said, well, you know, these were just flares launched from the base on the other side of the mountains. Well, I spent a lot of time in the military. I know a flare when I see one. That's not what I saw from this plane. And I knew it was the Phoenix Lights because we got to San Diego, and the next day's paper had the story that the Phoenix Lights had been seen uh, the night, we, you know, that time we were passing over. And... Uh, People who have seen these lights very often will say exactly what you've said, that they felt reassured and peaceful. And this sort of, me, I just sort of felt pretty amazed and kind of curious, especially seeing them from above, which is was an unusual perspective. But people have said just, just what you've said. As a matter of fact, there are two friends of ours who have been on the show who've written books about that experience, and that, that's what they say. So you are not alone. I felt, um, I felt, like I said, privileged, but I also felt like I was in awe, and I'm not completely sure what it was all about, but it felt natural, mm -hmm. completely natural. That's important. I didn't feel um, spooked out in any way. Very, very natural. So um, whatever it was, in my opinion, 
it was it it wasn't government. If yeah. It, if it was, maybe it was some sort of weird government thing. Well, I don't think it was from the government. It wouldn't make you feel reassured. Somehow, <laughs> yes, that feeling. You are right. You are right on that. Yeah. But um, but when I had my conversations with Joe and 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 um, Bill, may I say, uh, if you're listening. I'm so glad that you've called this show, and I hope you can continue your conversation because I've listened to Bill for a long time, too. There was just something about Joe that made you feel so inclusive. He didn't judge, and it was a safe place to land. And we shared a lot. Very, very intelligent gentlemen. I'm going to miss my conversations with that great thought master but it's nice to have other people maybe this is part of the process is that we have kenny and now we have you well thank you very much i can't think of a greater compliment you know as i say nobody can fill joe's shoes but we we do we do what we can in our own way and, and we take his example and his, and his uh his wonderful style well i hope i have a uh, another interaction and i hope it's with a, a spirit from Joe and Dale. Well, there we go. Well, well yeah. let us know if you do. All right. Ron, every Monday. Thanks. Thanks for calling. And thank you for having me. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay. What do we got there, Ben? Uh, we have about uh, about four minutes. Okay. Well, well you know, I, I'm going to do something for the, uh, the people who are waiting for this Parasite show and just give you the, uh, the kinds, highlights. very quickly, the kinds of Parasites that we're talking about here because they've, they've been wondering about it. I'm putting it in my next book but that's not out yet so I would say that the nine kinds I have identified and again th- these are we don't think they're ghosts we don't think they're demons in any sense we think they are the, the, the folklore basis of those things some of those things anyway but they do seem to be creatures who exist in this, this multiverse that the physicist Everett kind of described and it's really weird but this is this is what we we kind of see. There are the whys at the top of the top of the line, and we use that as sort of a, a relative term because uh, they're wise in their own ways. It doesn't do us any good. And again, we'll get into this, and we do this show in full. We'll get into the full description of these things. Uh, they are very ancient. They seem to have great knowledge, and I am. Um, they kind of know when you have their number, but I, I've had interesting times dealing with them in cases. Then there were the elders. The elders seem to work together. The wise do not. They seem to be ro- not rogues, but they seem to operate uh, in, so- in a sort of a solitary uh, sort of existence. Uh, there are the elders uh, who sometimes will lead others in uh, pursuing their food source, which is human energy. And again, this is science. It sounds like science fiction, but this is the stuff I've seen for. Uh, you know, over 40 years of working in this field that a lot of people mistake for other things. There are the farmers, I call them, because they, they, as it were, will farm families or groups of people for long periods of time. There are pack hunters that are very, uh, rather, not only arrogant, but very aggressive and will uh, are often responsible for poltergeist phenomena or even the phenomena known as possession which I have worked with uh, on several occasions uh, as a seminary student. Okay. And very quickly, there are the rogues, the passives, the lost. That's so they're an interesting group. The tricksters and the brats at the far end. And they call them the brats because that's kind of what they act like. They act like children. And there are a lot of very strange and very interesting foibles and individual characteristics as they, these things have. But we are out of time, and we will do a full show on that for those of you who have been waiting for it. Uh, as soon as we as soon as we can, 
Yeah, so, first we will get to some announcements. So uh, the next stop on our tour of public appearances and town hall style meetings is Woodbridge, Suffolk, England on Saturday, September 22nd. And we will present our program, Exploring the Paranormal, with CBS Radio's Paul and Ben Eno at the Grove House Hotel in Woodbridge from 7 to 11 p.m. And tickets are 15 pounds per person and will include a full buffet dinner courtesy of the hotel and profits will go to local charities. So this will take place in a highly active paranormal area which will uh, which will have the scene, well, which was the scene of the famous uh, Rendlesham UFO forest incidents of the 1980s, where and uh, Larry Warren, who is an eyewitness and co-author of the book uh, Left at East Gate, has plans to be with us that night as well. So, for more information and to buy tickets, visit www.spaceportuk.com-events.html, or just go to behindtheparanormal.com and look for the link to the uh, to that site under What's New. And so, finally, my dad and I will be featured speakers at the All Hallows Eve Psychic Fair at the Crown Plaza Hotel in Warwick, Rhode Island, on Sunday, October 28th. So, watch for more info on these events at www.behindtheparanormal.com. So uh, many thanks to our producer, Ben himself, and we'll see you next Monday, August 13th, right here on ON 1240 AM. Ben and I will welcome British UFO expert Tony Eccles to talk about his revolutionary work on close encounters of the third kind. So that's all the time we have. So thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we will see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.